Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast. Super excited today. We're going to learn a lot from our guest about really niching down in your business and how to make the decision to go just really specific inside of a piece of business that, I mean, honestly, this is the only person I know that does this type of business. And it's very common in all the houses and custom homes and most of the places we visit and hang out at. It's an awesome business. She's an awesome business owner. I've had the joy of getting to know her over the past couple of years. I've had so much fun working with her and learning about her business. Her business is High Country Drapery Designs. She's the owner, the CEO, the principal designer, Jill Ballou. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chad. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. This is going to be so much fun. Your energy, your passion around business, serving customers, like everything here is going to be so much fun. And we're going to have a blast just talking about business and, and your side of it today. So I'm I'm honored to have you. I appreciate you taking time out to join us. I know you're crazy busy. Um, I feel like every time we see each other on a Zoom or talk, you're like driving somewhere on the way to job <laughs> sites and different things. And so tell our audience a little bit about what you do, what's day-to-day -day look like, what's your business, and then we'll kind of unpeel things from there. You got it. Um, well, I own a drapery business and we specialize, we say in two things. The first would be all things window coverings. So okay. that could be window film, it could be shades and shutters, it could be drapery. And then the second thing we specialize in is anything made with fabric for the home. So if you have tablecloths or bedding, uh, upholstery, reupholstery, we do it all. And um, so when you, if you were to hop in the car with me, or if you were to spend the day yes. with me, <laughs> you would, uh, my team members say, I don't know how you do it because I can go from one little aspect of giving direction, let's say in the workroom area, and then immediately go over to the financial side and talk to my bookkeeper. So I I think I'm a nerd. Uh, I call myself a nerd and I do love all things business. And I think I am more of an engineer. Maybe half of my mind is an engineer and half of my mind is a design uh, designer. And so I am scaling the business right now. And most of my day is out and about doing business development and making sure that the people, the team who I have that are selling window treatments have support. So I'm out in the field. We've expanded over the past year into the Greenville, South Carolina, Western North Carolina area, as well as Knoxville. And I'm based in a little bitty town called Chickamauga, Georgia. And <laughs> it's just about 10 miles south of Chattanooga. So most of my business was built in Chattanooga. All right. I love it. So there's so much to dive into here because again, you're scaling and you're working on business development now, but then you have a skill and expertise that that's more of the technical side. And so I want to talk about that, but before we talk about that, I I really want to understand how you were able or made the decision to niche down into this 
window treatment side of business or, or the fabric side of business? Because I know a lot of people that do design or they do some sort of home service or they sell home decor or furnishings, but you went way down into that and really specialized inside of that and built an entire business that has employees and is scalable around that. So how in the world did you end up here and and got us a little bit on this journey and decisions of how you knew that was the right path? I, I think being in the industry. So when I went to college, I went to a little small college, Barry, um, mm-hmm. in Rome, Georgia, and it's the private college. It still had um, a family and consumer science degree available. And within that, they had sewing classes. Well, I took a sewing class and I had a little bit of sewing knowledge from my grandmother, but not a lot. But I took that. I was so interested in this. I made my flower. I was getting married at the time and I made my flower girl's dress and learn how to sew. And I was married to a gentleman that moved. We moved our family 16 times in 10 years. And I was so young. I, every home I would redecorate and we would host and that's a whole story. I would need wine (laughs) if I told you that story. (laughs) I don't, I don't think we're going there this episode, (laughs) but I redecorated every home. And when people would come in, they would say, who made your drapes or who made your bedding? And I had done it. And so they wanted me to make some for them. And so it really grew out of this cottage industry and a love of textiles early on. And so being the curious soul that I am, I would just dive into, well, how do you make this? And and who would want to buy this? And it grew to where designers were coming to me to have me sew things for them. And a few times in the beginning, they would take me out with them to do measurements and I would hear their process of how they would come to certain designs. And I would have my own opinions and sometimes they were better and sometimes they weren't, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I decided that maybe I would enjoy going out and working with those clients that only needed window coverings. I didn't feel the whole room. I was capable of doing that at the time. And so I became really good at it. And I had five children, and at the time I started the business, they were really little, and I didn't have a ton of time to- Hold on now. Let me pause for a second, because I have (laughs) one five-and-a-half-month-old. I have a 25-year established business, and I can barely keep it on track with one five-and-a-half-year-old. How in the world you started a business with five young children is just mind blowing to me now that I have one. And I'm like, oh my God, like, where does time go? So uh, I, that is like a, a whole episode in itself there, I feel like. So hats off to you. I, well, I understand you. that more now than I ever have. <laughs> Well, I was real militant and they said none of them want to work with me now. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You had had to be, you know, you had to be so, so and keep it in line. But um, anyway, we, it just kind of grew. And as I got into the industry of window coverings and sewing, man, Chad, there were so many ladies who were older than I was. And over time, you know, here I am 20 something years later, most of those ladies are starting to retire. 
And so there's a real void in finding a very custom workroom. And I thought, you know, with my fifth born, he's about to be 18. He's a senior. I'm only 51. And so I feel like I have a whole life ahead of me to go do what I want to do and to build something that I would be really proud of. And so with the void in the industry and with my availability, I'm like, we should totally compound this thing. And my peers say I'm trying to take over the South and maybe I am, but anyway. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. It sounds like you're almost there. You're spreading fats. I don't know. It's a lot. All right. So yeah. So I didn't know how this, I didn't realize it started this way. I made the assumption that you started in more of a broader scale and then funneled down into this, but you didn't through your, through your own home and just doing things that you wanted to do that kind of developed and organically turned into a business. Um, and then kind of, I guess the sewing and the drapery side is what, what really called attention and really pushed forward. So I don't, for most of us entrepreneurs, here's where we screw this up and you did not. We are in your exact position where we have this skill set or this one piece of business that we're doing. For you, it was window treatments and sewing. And then we see, wait a minute, there's all these designers out there with lots of clients and that's a much bigger market. And then I could do all, I could do entire houses and paint colors and all and architecture and all sorts of stuff. So for the rest of us, we drop the niche and go after this broader market, which is way more competitive, way more complicated skill sets we don't have. What kept you from, how did you, how, what kept you from making that mistake and really staying true to, to what you were doing? You know, um, I think it's the passion of, of the, the mix for me, doing window coverings, creating window coverings, feeds that engineer and that design side. Oh yeah. I see that. And so, um, it's creative and technical all at the same time, all at the same time. And then, I mean, I'm a high achiever, you know, I, they tell me I'm a type a, and (laughs) 100% a type a, (laughs) my sister-in-law, I think my brother is like, a type A too, but, or my brother, yeah, my brother, my sister-in-law says, well, he's probably the worst type. He's the triple A and you're the double A, right? (laughs) So we're really high achievers and I'm not so sure my parents weren't like that. And to have two children that were very high achieving, but, um, I want, I love, I want financial freedom. Mm -hmm. And so that has been kind of the carrot that has taken me on the journey. And, um, I've always raising my children. I've said, I want them to be healthy additions to society. And then for me, as I grow older, I also want to be a healthy addition to society. And that for me, that means financial freedom. And so how can I make the most money in the most profitable way and do it at a level that will not be effect as effective affected through a downturn in society. And usually the top 5% of um, homeowners, those who are in seven, eight figure incomes have the ability 
to still buy things when the economy turns. And so we have on my technical side, I've learned the motorization of home automation. And so not many, I have a lot of people, peers who are selling um, just shades and shutters that are motorized. We take it a different level and we marry the fabric with the motorization. Oh, the customization and the technology side of it. Yes. So Roman shades, drapery, all of those things, we create them on the fabric side and then we put the motors to them. And that is my highest targeted audience, people that we were wanting to do business with. And typically a designer is highly intellectual in in the design side and somewhat technical. They have to know spatial. So we like to partner with them. We want to support them and make them the most successful that they can be by going in. We do all the measures. We do um, the specifications of where everything is going to be installed. We fabricate it and then we install it. And so having that service and to be able to do it on a full home level really sets us apart. So we really do niche down to trying to, to find those designers that are doing multi-million dollar homes. You know, if they're designing the multi-million dollar home, typically they're going to have home automation and fabric. All right. I love this so much. And I think this is such an important message for our audience and all our listeners out there. This, this is huge. You, you, you are offering a custom unique product, which is a higher end product for higher end houses. You're also marrying that with another really custom high end product of these automated type window coverings and different things. And so this starts getting into obviously the people with money and the top 5% of, of the people out there with, houses of value and wealth. And so for our listeners, what I really like to point out there is if you are looking for something to in a business or you are looking for sustainability in a business and you're looking for high profit margins or high price points, you have to go to the people that have money. That's who can afford to pay for this kind of stuff. That's who can afford to continue to do business during recessions, during downtimes, um, during different challenges and economic environments. It's, I want to work for the people with the most money because they can pay me the most. If I start trying to compete on just a, a really a market level and a commodity level, I'm subject to like competing on price. But where you're at, you're not, I don't even, like I say, you, you're one of the few business owners that I don't know anybody else that does this. And so you, you start having very little competition. You you really get rewarded and and there's tons of value and on the back end financial reward of being really good at it, something unique and niche. And I think you have excelled in that. I love that. Thank now, you. I assume that also does not come without its frustrations, risk, and challenges because if you screw something up, or your team screws something up, it's probably a pretty big price point you have to eat at that point to fix it. So how do you deal with training staff and scaling? And God, you're talking about design, measures, production, installation, like 
that is a lot to not screw up on a project, um, especially when it's a construction-based project. How how have you been able to navigate that and keep your sanity? <laughs> well, I don't know if I I don't know if I'm sane or not. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I am either. So fair enough. I can laugh a lot. And um, I mean, just yesterday, we haven't had rain here in Georgia for what, two months now? Oh, we got and so much rain yesterday. Oh, my God. Yes, we did too. And we had a delivery of pillows and someone didn't bag up the other end of a pillow and it went straight out the door into a, a puddle. And I'm like, oh, my word, it took us two days to make this pillow. What are we going to do? We dried it. We did tell the homeowner, hey, this has had rainwater on it so sorry but she's like bring it on we're fine but it 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 can be very expensive and um i don't want my team to live in fear and so i've had to first off resolve that i'm going to take the blunt of it i the company will because i want them to have peace of mind and i want it to be i want to I've always wanted to create a team of positivity. I wanted that value of positivity to be an integrity, to be the baseline of what we're doing. And so I've had to resolve within myself that if there are mix-ups that I have to internalize it and see what I have not done first. It's either a training issue or a communication issue. And then secondly, there's a lot of touch points throughout the, the design. And this is where I really get nerdy. But um, systems, I have totally, we are all the time looking at our systems. And I have a template. When we onboard a client, there, if you could believe, and even in the custom world, there is a set cadence of tasks that happen as the progress, as the project progresses. And so we have that all laid out in a project management. We had to use Asana because you're right. There's not a lot of people doing what we're doing. And so the software has not been there for us just to tap into something that's already existing. So we've created our own and um, there's a lot of touch points. So when one of the team members who sells finishes with an invoice, then they sit down with me and I go over it with them. There's pictures, there's shared drives, all of that so that we can go over all the details. Um, and then before it gets ordered, they go over that with the person ordering it so that she has a full concept. And then before it goes to the workroom, it also has a meeting with the person who's sewing it. And then before it goes out to install, again, another meeting. And so if we were doing an average sale of $2,000, an invoice, we would all go crazy. You know, our invoices have had to grow substantially where, you know, we may have a $16,000 invoice or a $50,000 invoice. And so we're working longer on particular projects instead of lots of projects with tiny, tiny bits of time. I like that. You figured out inside of your niche what your ideal customer or project size looks like. And I think that's huge too, as you said, hey, it's a on a $2,000, $3,000 job. We just, the amount of time 
it takes is similar to a $15,000 job. So for it to be a good fit for us financially, it has to be a $15,000 or higher job. Is that something you had to learn the hard way or is that something you recognize pretty fast? Um, I know for all of us in the roller coaster ride of business between cash flow and staffing, we have our ups and downs. So how have you been able to learn from different things or make those type of decisions or navigate that? Because uh, I think a lot of people just put their head down and just try to do hard enough work on enough $2,000 invoices to make it work. And I don't think that's a hamster wheel you it's hard to get off of. It is hard to get off of. And, you know, we just, and you know, because you've been with me in my um, mastermind, but it has been hard. I did all we did. Um, there are times you have to take those 2000. The bottom line is there are times you do have to take whoever will come through the door in order to get accomplished what you need to get accomplished. But it, but when, for me, when the time has, um, when I am so exhausted because I haven't been mindful of who my clientele has been and I haven't been choosy, I am the one and my team who take the hit. And so I have to care enough about me and the people working with me to make that choice not to do that in the future. And so it's scary. It's a risk when you start to say no to certain types of clientele. But on this side of it, it's very rewarding. And, um, you know, I think because I'm a visionary, I don't have, I I never have lack of where I want to go. I'm not so sure. Do you find that that's normal in an entrepreneurial role? Vision? So I think I won't say vision. I would say ideas. I think as entrepreneurs, majority of us have a ton of ideas and we see a bunch of different ways to make money. Now, make money means bring money in the door. That does not mean profitable or the right client or the right price point. It's I can do this or I can do this or we can do this or I could add on this or I could go here and speak about this and pick up 10 clients or 10 jobs. I don't. I think the, probably the challenge for most business owners and entrepreneurs is that vision and focus and even for, for me, I have the vision and focus. It's the discipline to hold true to it is what does my ideal business and vision look like five or 10 years from now? What is my ideal client? And how do I stay disciplined to that? Because I have a $15,000 client that is perfect, but then this $15,000 client, oh, their mother needs something and it's a $3,000 job. Well, it's their mom and I like them. And so I'll take that on. And your next thing you know, it spiderwebs off and I got no $15,000 jobs and I got five $3,000 jobs and life sucks again. So that, yes. that is what I see. You've managed to, to, to get off of that. So yes. Well, how I've done that is the get accountability. And that's where we've, you know, we've hired the business coach yep. to, I guess I, I say when I hire them, I say you either confirm or challenge the path that I see myself going. And then once we confirm it or get it to a place where it can be confirmed, then I need them on a weekly or monthly basis, keeping me accountable that to stay on that path. Um, I, I love that confirm or challenge. Like that's, that's really awesome that you're arming them 
A, with the permission and just the clarity of like, I need you to confirm this is the right path or challenge me. And then once we do that, keep me on that daggum path. That's yeah. That's I, accountability is where it's at. I 100% agree. And especially if we don't have business partners or we don't have, if it's just us having that coach or that accountability partner or, or some group or somebody holding you to that, I think is, is huge. That's, that's really smart. I like that a lot. I've got a, all right, I want to run, this is like real life stuff here. I want to run by you. Okay. I've been hired multiple times in the last month. Like this is very, very recent. Um, and I didn't plan this coming into it. All this has just kind of come to fruition. Like as we're leading into this podcast, I have been hired by multiple people in the designer or home decor or home furnishing space to help them out because right now they are financially struggling more than they have in the last five years, oh. 10 years, 20 years. So design like construction is getting a little tighter and a little more challenging. I know like the actual 